Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money only on Money FM 89.3. What can we make of Tesla's 1.5 billion dollar bet on Bitcoin? Are the US markets ready to pop? And which currency could the year of the ox favor? I put these questions and more to one of my favorite guests. I'm Michelle Martin. You're with me here on Money and Me. Please join me as we welcome friend of the show, Owanda's Jeff Haley. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. My name is now Jeff Coin. <laughs> I want to see you in a red sweater, and I'm sh- I'm sure Elon Musk is going to tweet about you soon. Excellent. <laughs> I'm going to be worth a lot more than what I am today. <laughs> <laughs> Priceless. Listen, Jeff, we we usually want to start with a big picture narrative with you, but I think today we're going to have to dive into that piece of news just too big to wait for. Overnight, Tesla bought 1.5 billion US dollars worth of Bitcoin and announced it will begin to accept the cryptocurrency as payment for its cars. I know you've never been a fan of Bitcoin. Uh, you've often compared it to the infamous Dutch tulip bubble. And once, just a couple of months ago, you wrote that Bitcoin's sharp rise made it, quote, a Tesla chart looks sensible by comparison. So what are your thoughts now that Tesla and Bitcoin are converging in this way? Isn't that, uh, isn't that appropriate? Yeah, look, Tesla has actually already bought the, uh, the Bitcoin. They only announced it yesterday. So there's a number of issues that um, get raised here. Obviously, Bitcoin went up by about 20% last night. But mm. uh, I guess it's the, the governance of the company, um, you know, putting 1.5 billion into cryptos. But I got a feeling that he might be running into trouble with the SEC here because if they've gone and bought that Bitcoin some time ago and then he spent the rest of the time tweeting about how positive he is on um, uh, on cryptocurrency, he could be accused of manipulating the market. So yeah. uh, he, he could be running into a, a few more issues after about a two-year break with the SEC. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the market's talking that it's validating, uh, validating Bitcoin and, and cryptos mm. as mainstream financial assets. But uh, I think we're, to be honest, still um, uh, still some way away from that. Having said that, you can't argue with the short-term momentum, and that's what's driving these markets, sort of speculative short-term momentum mania. So Bitcoin jumped 15% on news of Tesla's investment. Tesla's shares, meanwhile, rose a couple percent. The electric car maker has a market cap of more than 800 billion US dollars. And so I can't believe I'm saying this, but is one and a half billion dollars just a drop in the bucket for Tesla? Well, they did have about uh, 19 billion in cash, which they've been raising equity over the last uh, year and a half. They're yet to really make any serious money, yet they're worth, $800 billion, so that probably just tells you the sort of world we're living in at the moment anyway. I mean, the, the shares themselves will probably be slightly less volatile now because they are in the S&P 500, uh, and there's a lot more two-way interest uh, of, uh, because of that. Um, you know, it raises some interesting questions, actually, because if, if Bitcoin, you know, it often moves 5 10 15% a day. Mm. If you're pricing Teslas and Bitcoin, you're going to have to adjust the price of your Tesla by 10, 15, 5% a day. You know, so you know, a Tesla might be worth 20,000 Bitcoins or, um, you know, one day. And then the next day it might be worth, you know, 15. And then the day after that it could be right. 30,000. So it, it, it 
that's what I mean. I mean, there's some uh, logistical issues around uh, pricing uh, assets and, and Bitcoin at the moment, simply because of Bitcoin's underlying uh, volatility. So some analysts like those at RBC Capital Markets say Apple could be the next big name to buy Bitcoin. So if we think about it, if Apple were to buy a comparable amount as Tesla, one and a half billion US dollars, that would be equivalent to less than one week of Apple's cash flow. So if RBC is right and more high profile brands purchase Bitcoin and begin to accept it as payment, does that change the currency's fundamental value in your, from your perspective? I guess you'd have to take that seriously, and I'm sure the markets would if someone like Apple was to, to do that. Again, I, I, I'd be a, it would be frankly a huge surprise if they chose to do it. It's also interesting that if they're going to receive payment in Bitcoin, why are they buying billions of Bitcoin, billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin? Naturally, you know, uh, Tesla would be short Bitcoin, for example, it would receive it when it sells a car and, and, and things like that. But um, I mean, if you start getting more of these big S and P five hundred uh, companies uh, buying it, then you know we'd have to take another another look at it. I mean, there is a supply constraint on Bitcoin. That's the other thing as well. There can only be twenty one million Bitcoins ever made, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so how that is used in, in in commerce going forward, I'm not sure. I think it would have to be divided up into lots of little satoshis, which is what you call little bits of Bitcoin, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what they are. So uh, after the after the creator of them, so yeah. I guess we'll be uh, talking about, you know, I'm going to buy a latte for point one of a satoshi or something or other. Uh, you know, Tesla founder Elon Musk has been tweeting about Dogecoin. I think it should be pronounced Doggy Coin, uh, a cryptocurrency that apparently started off about as a joke about eight years ago. And every time Musk tweets something cryptic, like a Doge meme, the currency jumps. And he's not the only celebrity giving it a boost. There's Snoop Dogg, there's Gene Simmons from Kiss. They've all gotten into the act as well. So if Bitcoin is speculative, what would you call Dogecoin? I mean, that is, I mean, I I agree with you on the pronunciation. I've been a bit confused myself. So that's my biggest issue with Dogecoin. I mean, it's a bit of a rogue's, it's a bit of a rogues gallery of investment analysts there, isn't it? Gene Simmons, Snoop Dogg, and uh, Elon Musk. Uh, it's not, uh, it, <laughs> we're not talking about Janet Yellen or anything like that, are we? So, um, look, again, I think it just shows the, the sort of momentum, the short-term speculative mania uh, surrounding any coins, which is why I want to rename myself Jeff Coin. So, uh, yeah, because everybody will buy everything, yeah? So the whole universe moves up in lockstep and, uh, if it if and when it finally crashes, it'll all crash in lockstep as well. Uh, again, you know, it's not a widely accepted coin. I mean, it's been around since 2013. It's been hacked quite badly a couple of times as well mm. in, its, in its early days. So uh, I, I think the, the, the jury is out on this one. I think what we're seeing here is this speculative mania and anything that ends in coin. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Not quite two weeks ago, General Motors announced that it's going to stop making gas-fueled cars and that it plans to have an all-electric fleet by 2035. It is hardly the only automaker entering this space. So do you think, going back to Tesla, do you think Tesla has enough of a first-mover advantage to hold off rivals or is the company incredibly overvalued? Well, this is the, this has always been my issue with Tesla. I'm not disputing what an amazing company that it is. It's just that um, uh, you know, Ford has also said on, on about the same uh, time frame as well that it will stop Volkswagen, et cetera, et cetera. 
Toyota, Volkswagen, Ford, General Motors aren't going to sit there and quietly let Tesla eat their lunch. Uh, I, I think it'll come down to software, to be honest. I mean, Tesla has this self-driving software that apparently almost works, and that's its real uh, unique selling point. If these other large automotive companies catch up to Tesla on this, and let's remember, Tesla makes most of its money by selling carbon credits mm. to other automotive manufacturers. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that Tesla's, I mean, the mania surrounding Tesla, fair enough, if that's what you believe, but I just don't see these huge automotive giants um, sitting there and, and letting their businesses go down the drain because of this. If they've caught up with software, the self-driving software for these uh, electric cars, then you know, the longer-term prospects for Tesla could be quite challenging. Tesla, by the way, reportedly coming here to Singapore. It secured approval to start selling cars here. Observers expect the Tesla Model 3 to be priced at around 145000 Singapore dollars or less than the costs of a Toyota Camry. Now, at the that's, end what of, that's, what, that's funny enough. That's about what they cost here in uh, Jakarta as well. The Tesla? The Toyota. Yeah, yeah, you can get them here, but nobody buys them because they cost about $140,000. <laughs> yeah, uh, just half the price of a three-room flat here, I think. Now, at the end of last year, Bitcoin was seen by some investors to be a hedge against U.S. dollar weakness and the uncertainty of U.S. elections. Another asset that typically fits that bill is gold. So last time, Jeff, you were Jeff Coin, you were here on the show. Two months ago, gold was trading at 1875 US dollars an ounce. Today, it's about thirty-five to forty dollars below that mark. Jeff, why do you think gold is just treading water? Probably because it's not called gold coin. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we usually find it, though. That's how I bite on it. You know, in the form it would of a be coin. five thousand dollars an ounce <laughs> if it was called gold coin. Yeah. Um, look, there's been a few things here. There's been a, there's been a short squeeze in uh, US dollar positions. So, the most of the world spent all of 2020 selling the US dollar. Uh, and, and typically in uh, January, we've seen uh, one of these counter-trend moves. And over the course of the second half of January and early Feb, we've seen the dollar squeeze higher. So that undermined gold. Also, we've seen a rise in U.S. yields as this uh, $1.9 trillion uh, uh, Biden fiscal stimulus package makes its way through mm. through the Senate. And it looks like that will just get pushed through by the Democrats. They're not going to bother trying to get any bipartisan uh, buy-in at the stage. So that's had the effect of pushing up U.S. yields, so U.S. bond yields, particularly the 10-year yield, which is the benchmark uh, bond rate that most of the world's financial derivatives, etc., are priced off. So uh, gold is extremely sensitive uh, to the to the rise and fall of U.S. 10-year uh, bond, bond rate because gold doesn't pay you any interest, yeah? Um, and, and, and I think uh, mm. all other things staying the same, that has eroded gold. So gold's sort of bubbling along and keeping its head above water, but at this stage, I'm not quite sure if it's out of the woods yet. We get another bout of US dollar strength or spike higher in US interest rates, uh, gold could, um, could, could go lower first before it rises. So I think over 2021, it will actually rise. It will become this inflation hedge, but it could be in for a rocky couple of months. So, is it a good buy at current levels? Yeah, look, you know, I think as a as a as, as, you know, 
if people are interested in saving in a more traditional manner rather than sort of speculative short-term mania, then mm-hmm. holding gold itself uh, is a small part of your investment portfolio is, is always a good thing. It's just that gold can be quite volatile. So I think uh, anywhere from here down to, say, 1600 if it pushes down on a long-term basis, uh, you know, it, I think it makes a, a sound, sound reason to invest in gold at those levels. Okay, I want to pick up on a point you mentioned. So last year, most analysts were predicting that 2021 would be characterized by US dollar weakness. And the greenback has actually been appreciating since the start of the year, up about 1% against other major currencies. So why do you think this is? Well, okay, one thing I will say is that I'm, I'm actually quite happy that the dollar has been appreciating because uh, over all these years I've been in the market, typically the first move of the year is the wrong one mm. and the US dollar has gone up. So my view is that the US dollar will end 2021 weaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm quite happy about this counter-cyclical move right now. Um, I, a lot of it is the weight, the sheer weight of short US dollar positioning that's been built up over the course of 2020. And we've seen that some of that those weaker shorts get squeezed out. You know, there were delays in the fiscal stimulus. There was the sort of um, the aftermath of the, of the frenzy of the of the U.S. elections, et cetera, et cetera. So I think what we're seeing here is more of a consolidation phase and a, and a greater long-term uh, downtrend in the U.S. dollar. So I think uh, for your listeners, they need to concentrate on the bigger picture yeah. and rather, rather than the short-term noise. Yeah. Oh, and on that note, let's take a break from currencies and precious metals and cryptocurrencies just for a moment and talk about that bigger picture. So we're just a couple of days away from the Chinese New Year. Happy New Year of the Ox to you, Jeff Coyne. Um, I wonder if you, <laughs> it's got a ring Thank to you, it. Michelle. Um, I wonder if you can complete the following sentence for us. For financial markets, the year of the Ox will be characterized by? By everything. <laughs> Buy everything. Okay. Um, why do you think that well, okay, well, is? Everything's know, going and up. More, and a more, and a more classical, I, I will, I'll say we'll characterize by um, rising asset prices. Rising asset prices. Okay. All right. The NASDAQ approaching 14,000. The Dow is on a six-day winning streak. The S&P 500, the Dow, the NASDAQ, all at record levels. So if you look at these headline numbers, you could easily forget there is a global pandemic happening in the background. So are these stock levels, in your view, justified? To a certain extent, yes. And I think this is part of why we've seen this sort of rebellious sort of Reddit mania going on. Mm. It's this K-shaped recovery. You know, the rest of us live in the real world and there's a recession. Yeah. Yet, you know, you see these uh, asset price markets, these asset markets keep appreciating and you see sort of rich bankers and billionaires getting even, even more wealthy. Yet, yeah. You know, obviously our life is not quite so happy. Mm. And I think what we're seeing is very uneven recovery, but we have to understand that you know, central banks around the world are effectively keeping interest rates at zero percent. So that hunt for some sort of return on your investment, and we have to also remember savings rates have also skyrocketed over this pandemic as everybody's working at home, not spending their money. Mm. Uh, that money needs to go somewhere, and it's going into asset markets. So we're seeing property prices move higher. We're seeing uh, stock markets uh, move higher. Yeah, uh, even bond markets, although that one may be a bit of a binary game from here. So we have to understand what the underlying driver is. Until central banks start looking at normalising monetary policy or until bond yields rise substantially above what 
sort of yield you get from an, an equity, mm. um, then we are going to continue seeing this relentless pressure higher on, 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 on equity markets. So although they may be at record highs now, the mm. NASDAQ and the S&P, may, you may be saying, gosh, I wish I'd bought it there mm. uh, in, in, in February, come, come June or August. All right. We'll make sure we clip that out and replay it in the, you heard it here first edition of the show <laughs> later on in the year. I read another report from another analyst this morning who writes that market performance is an unambiguous vote of confidence in the Biden administration and his Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Would you agree broadly? Oh, I think that one's a bit of a reach. I mean, the mm. guy's been in, in the job for just over a month mm-hmm. yeah, and we haven't really, you know, he, it's early doors. So I think it's an unambiguous endorsement of $1.9 trillion of fiscal stimulus, which actually I fully agree with. I think that's what the U.S. needs to do. And it, it's never been cheaper for governments to borrow money. You know, they can effectively yeah. borrow money for free. And they should be counter-cyclical investors during downturns to mollify the effects of those downturns. So being bold and being big is, is the right thing to do at this stage. We've seen it with Singapore over the last uh, 12 months as well, and I'm sure um, that will continue after the budget next week as well. So um, I think this is more of an, an endorsement of the economic policy, uh, but you know, whether Biden, uh, Joe Biden turns out to be an amazing president or not, mm. we don't know yet. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Commodity prices also pointing to renewed optimism in the global economy, as you say. Brent crude trading above 60 US dollars a barrel for the first time in more than a year. Copper and iron ore prices on the rise as well, reflecting expectations of strong demand. And even warehouse space is in short supply as Amazon and Alibaba snap up space. Here in Singapore, warehouse space has also been affected by a rise here of Singapore expats and others who are moving out and need to store their things in the interim. Do you see that happening in Jakarta? Uh, well, we've got a bit more space here in Jakarta. We've seen a lot oh. more... Um, we've got a lot more... Uh, uh, we, yeah, there's, there was never a huge expat community here anyway after the oil and gas boom uh, finished. Uh, the, the, that went down, but I mean, we've seen a lot of expats move home. I, I, I won't disagree with that. Mm. I can fully agree with you. I do have some stuff in storage in Singapore and when I get the monthly bill, I cry. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's gold in them, their hills, that's for sure. Yeah? <laughs> so, um, and, and land scarce Singapore, I think that one's a, a great little business. It's often that some of the best investments, some of the most boring industries in the world. Self-storage, and, you know, yeah. Self-storage must be one of the most boring industries in the world. But actually, there's gold in them, their hills, as they say. So, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. Let's take a step back from the big picture and take a look at corporate earnings. We are speaking with friend of the show, Jeff Haley from Oanda. So um, we're in the midst of earnings season. From what I see, big banks and tech companies in the U.S. looking at sizable profits, beating expectations. The S&P 500 on track to break out of an earnings recession. Jeff, corporate earnings are growing for the first time during the pandemic. In your view, what could this mean for investors going forward? Yeah, I think we need to circle back to where we think equities are going to be towards uh, the second half of this year. And uh, there's definite signs now uh, of this um, global recovery um, occurring. And I think the the earnings that we're seeing, particularly in the sectors, you know, the ones that work from home, technology, uh, logistics, buying things and getting them delivered, that sort of stuff. I mean, it's there for all to see. 
I, I think we're going to start seeing a more broad-based uh, recovery in previously unloved sectors as these uh, vaccines uh, start getting out and we can start reopening international borders. Having said that, I don't think that Q1 will be a banner mm-hmm. quarter. I, I think people are a little impatient on the vaccine front here. Um, and I, I think, but I think by mid-year, we're going to see uh, a real step up in momentum of that global recovery. And, and I think that means that ASEAN markets, which have underperformed in 2020 because they're full of all these legacy industries, they're going to outperform in 2021 because you know, they will catch that um, tailwind as, as the global recovery accelerates. So here in Singapore, investors are waiting for the bank's fourth quarter numbers. In particular, investors are looking for clarity on their dividend caps. Most analysts are expecting higher payouts in 2021. What is your view on this sector? Yeah, look, I think Singapore banks are a a wonderful sector and they've actually performed really well, even right through 2020, to be honest. And I, I think being a very cyclical industry, if they've managed to keep their heads above water, in 2020, they're extremely well placed uh, to uh, perform very, very well as the global recovery picks up in, in, in 2021. Also, the Singapore banks are all very digital savvy. Uh, they've got fantastic technology, fantastic digital platforms. So they're very, very well placed. The, the earnings cap will be down to the MAS. It won't be down to the banks. Uh, you know, the MAS told them to drop their dividends, and so they do what they're told. So We'll need some guidance from the MAS on that. My, my feeling is, is the MAS will be cautious until they see more signs of an underlying uh, momentum to this uh, global recovery into Singapore's recovery before they uh, take the leash off Singapore's banks. But um, I've, I've no doubt that um, you know, they are very, very sound investments as a sector. Yeah. In the meantime, DBS, OCBC and UOB shares are all up about 3 to 5% since the beginning of the year. Jeff, it's been a couple of months since you've been on the program and I feel I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the GameStop craze and what it could mean for markets in the longer term. So I want to take a look at a couple of new angles that have been cropping up. So one stock that got caught up in the recent market mania is headphone maker Koss. So Koss's shares rose nearly 2,000% in a matter of days. The Koss family saw this and decided they were going to cash in. They sold more than 40 million US dollars worth of shares. And I want to highlight this because it seems like the narrative of small retail investors versus big Wall Street hedge funds is developing cracks. So companies and hedge funds played both sides of the trade. What do you think? I have absolutely no doubt of that. And I, I got a feeling that quite a lot of Wall Street uh, hedge funds, if we want to call them that in that generic pile, mm. have done quite well by jumping on this short-term momentum. This sort of Balachow money heist rebellion against the big machine, um, you know, it actually is having some unintended effects. And, and cost is a classic. Cost only has, a, I think, a liquid float of 1.5 million shares mm-hmm. that aren't held by the family and other interests. So it's a very illiquid stock. So it was very easy for a large amount of retail investors to come in and push that stock higher. But who's actually making money here? Well, the cost family, because they're going, thank you very much. We'll sell out lots of our shares of you know, huge amounts of uh, 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 profit that we would never have generated otherwise. Mm. When the music stops, those shares will plummet, much like GameStop. Mm. And those same retail investors will be the ones wearing the loss. So... They're actually almost creating a market for uh, institutional investors to make money by taking profit in 
rather than, you know, this rage against the machine sort of thing. So there's lots of unintended uh, consequences to these um, to these uh, to the to these to these um, moments. Also, you know what these Reddit investors are doing, and mm. hey, I'm not going to argue with them about it. You just don't want to be the one holding the stock when the music stops, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it really only works on smaller, illiquid stocks. It's not going to work on an Apple or a J.P. Morgan or a DBS or, or something like that, yeah. Mm. And then mm. I think you'd also very quickly uh, attract regulatory intention. This will stay as a peripheral issue, not a mainstream issue. Great insight there. This morning we have news that an ETF fund is going to tap into the Reddit buzz. Asset manager Van Eck going to track stocks that are the most talked about in social media. What do you think of the idea? Well, you know what? I think for Van Eck, it's a great idea. It's got all the right words in it. Social media, buzz, buzz, Mm. artificial intelligence, next generation. You know, it's like it might as well be Buzzcoin. you know, I, this actually is the second launch of this uh, ETF. Uh, they tried it a couple of years ago, and, and it failed dismally. So they, they're timing this now while all this craze is going on uh, around um, uh, uh, around you know, Reddit and all these other platforms where these re- retail investors are congregating. I, I would I would I would um, approach it with caution. You know, I wouldn't be going all in on 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 something like this. I think this is very much a a niche boutique ETF, mm. and it could fall out of favour just as quickly as it is in favour at the moment, if you see what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. All right, time for lightning round before we bring you the news. Uh, US markets at record highs. Jeff, are you worried about a bubble? Uh, no. All right, US or emerging markets, uh, wh- which are you favouring? Uh, emerging markets. So which emerging market do you think is set to outperform? ASEAN market, so your Singapore's, Indonesia's, Malaysia's, Thailand's, uh, Philippines in 2021. Got it. Energy or tech companies, which is set to do better? Tech. All right. US dollar, worth more or less at the end of the year, remind us? Uh, Less. Yeah. And your top currency for the year of the ox? Oh, that one's a good one. I should say Bitcoin, shouldn't I? I'm just going (laughs) proud. Yeah. <laughs> You're going with Bitcoin, my goodness me, Jeff. No, no, I'm not going to say Bitcoin, actually. I don't, I don't think I will, actually. Um, uh, look, I'm, that, one's a, that one's a tricky one. I'm going to say the Chinese Yuan. All right, all right. Thanks so much, Jeff. Wanda's Jeff Haley there. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to speaking to you next time. It's Jeff Coin. <laughs> This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.